Hey there, it's Olivia Allen Price, host of Bay Curious, the podcast. KQED Podcasts wants to thank listeners like you whose support makes this podcast possible. If you want to help us continue to make great content, visit donate.kqed.org slash podcasts. That's donate.kqed.org slash podcasts. And thanks. From KQED. It's been a hot, dry summer and fall and a really difficult fire year, as we all know. Firefighters have been working tirelessly under these conditions, and the coronavirus pandemic has made everything harder. It's a definite different uh, situation here to keep COVID from happening in these fire camps when you have so many people condensed together. California relies on incarcerated people in the state's prisons to help fight fires. And they do some of the most backbreaking and crucial work. It's a controversial program, but one that firefighting officials have long relied on. Bay Curious listener Brittany Powers has been thinking about this a lot. This summer and fall during the the fires, I think it was actually a KQED article that I read, um, talking about how one reason the fires have been so difficult to contain is due to some of those inmate firefighter programs being limited because of covid And so it kind of just got me thinking about it and wondering what those programs are like and um, if there are opportunities for people upon release. Brittany's question won our September voting round. She's concerned that the state is exploiting prisoners by asking them to do a dangerous job for low wages and that it's really hard for them to get a similar job when they're released. Why was it a job that we felt we could trust people with when they're getting paid very little, but upon release... Um, when people do have the opportunity to be making a career, why that trust dissipates. Today we're going to look at the history of inmate firefighters in California, what they do, and why there may be more hope for jobs after incarceration than ever before. I'm Katrina Schwartz, in for Olivia Allen Price, and this is Bay Curious. Support for Bay Curious comes from Sierra Nevada Brewing Company. Committed to brewing things the right way since 1980, because when you're a family-run brewery, there's no other way to do it. Sierra Nevada Brewing Company. Still family-owned, operated, and argued over. And be sure to stay tuned through the end of the show so you can play our monthly trivia game for a chance to win some cool prizes. Hi there. I'm Randa Dilfettah from Throughline. If you're listening to this podcast, you know that KQED produces exceptional storytelling that keeps you informed, inspired, and entertained. Their podcasts cover issues from your neighborhood to the entire country and everything in between. Support this work today. You can help us continue to bring quality podcasts to your ears. Just head to donate.kqed.org podcast. That's donate.kqed.org podcast. This fall, about 1,800 inmates fought wildfires all over California. They're an important part of the state's response to wildfires, but they don't get paid nearly as well as non-prisoner firefighters doing the same work and facing the same risks. KQED science reporter Kevin Stark has been looking into how the system works. Hi, Kevin. Hi, Katrina. So before we talk about what these inmate fire camps are like, tell me a little bit about how they work. So the fire camps were first started 
way back a century ago in 1915, but they really got strengthened during World War II when a lot of the civilian firefighters were off fighting in the war and California was relying on its inmate firefighting crews to fight the fires that were starting during that time. In recent years, the state has relied on incarcerated people to fight its largest fires. The fire camps are actually pretty established. You know, there's dorms and mess halls, outdoor yards for training. They're spread out across the state, mostly in the mountains, in the North Coast, in the Sierra, in Southern California. They're positioned so that if there is a big fire that breaks out, the crews can immediately respond. You know, prison firefighters live there year round. And during the off season, the crews cut fire breaks, they're cleaning underbrush, and they're doing other kind of forest management, forest maintenance. One thing that has always struck me as kind of odd is that I've often heard inmates want these firefighter jobs. Is that true? Yeah, it is true. You know, the minute a person steps foot in fire camp, the remaining prison sentence that they have can be reduced by as much as half. So it's a huge incentive. You know, it's really hard for a person to get to fire camp. It's considered one of the best jobs in the prison. It's only awarded to a select number of people, inmates that the state deems are a low safety risk. And I've interviewed a number of inmate firefighters, and they all say that, you know, they're getting to do work that they're proud of. They're not stuck inside. You know, the conditions are just a lot better. In 2019, I met actually an inmate fire crew while I was reporting from the Kincaid Fire in Sonoma County. Here's how Gary Minnick, one of the firefighters, described the differences between life in the camps versus a general population prison. Oh, man. Night and day. Almost feels like you're free there to a certain extent, enough to keep you in track and in line, but kind of helping you get back into being able to be reintroduced to the public and out of the politics and the, all the bad stuff that goes along with the regular prison yards. To, I'd rather be here than where I was at any day. So what is life like in a fire camp? Well, for the most part, the inmate fire crews are performing the hardest, the most backbreaking work. They often have to hike for miles through rugged terrain. You know, they're carrying full gear, backpacks, chainsaws, shovels, rakes. And then they work in teams of 12 to 16 doing the difficult work of containment. So they're cutting six-foot-wide trenches around a fire to try and prevent it from spreading out into the neighborhoods. Also, as I found out when I spoke with Christopher Jones, another inmate firefighter, the crews do actually fight the fires directly if they're threatening homes. Here's how he described some of that work. Direct attack, flames leaking in your face, situations where you, you got to get in and out quickly with, with no margin for error. It's exhilarating. Uh, it's, it's exciting. It's challenging. You really you feel like you're alive and you, you feel like you're doing something uh, both positive and productive. So this year, there's a shortage of inmate firefighters because many got released early when COVID-19 was spreading through the prison population. That's meant that some of these crews are working much harder. And I think it's also important to note that this work is incredibly dangerous. Three incarcerated firefighters died while fighting fires in 2017 and 2018. And despite the risks that these people are taking, I know one central critique of the program is how little these people are paid, right? 
Inmates earn between $2 and $5 a day, and they get an extra dollar per hour when they're at a fire. That's much less than an entry-level state firefighter would make per hour. And prison crews sometimes are working for 12, 24 hours in a row. Why are they paid so little? Well, Correction says they're paid way better than other prisoners doing other jobs. And they say that this is a job pathway for formerly incarcerated folks to get work working for Cal Fire or for the Forest Service. Oh, so so people do get jobs when they get out. Yes, but for, for years this program has been criticized because there's actually very little opportunity for people coming out of the camps to get hired by city fire departments when they get out of jail. And that's because there's a law that says folks with a felony can't get an EMT license, which is required for those jobs. And, you know, working for a municipal fire department is a much more stable job, and it pays a lot better than doing contract work, wildland firefighting. So this critique has existed for years. And this year, California actually responded. Governor Gavin Newsom signed a bill that would make it easier for prisoners to have their records clear, so their offenses wouldn't show up on an employment check. That would then allow them to get an EMT license, which could potentially pave the way for them to get those those better, well-paying jobs. So our question asker, Brittany, actually had some questions about that legislation you just mentioned. I'm wondering if this is one of those bills that feels really good to read and feels really good to sign and hear about, but if it actually is going to be making an impact. Well, you know, I am a reporter, and when we try and predict things, I think we're typically wrong. But You know, here's what this new law allows. Former prisoners who are coming out of the camps can now petition a judge to have their records cleared more quickly. So the question there, how fast are these records being processed? You know, this is something that we're actually going to have to follow. Next, you know, they still have to be hired by the city agencies. The work of a wildland firefighter does not necessarily transfer to municipal firefighting. You know, in the city of San Francisco, nobody's going to be cutting containment lines around Dolores Park. The job itself is very different. That said, this new law does provide people with an opportunity and a sense of hope. I feel very grateful that the bill is passed. I'm very thankful to everybody who voted on it and stuff like that because that really just helps us and makes it easier, you know? I spoke with Samantha Vetter. She's a formerly incarcerated firefighter who was fighting fires outside of L.A. this summer. She was recently released, and this is how she described it to me. There's a lot of us that do want to change, and it's just really going to help. It's totally one less obstacle, and it's just, it's, I feel blessed that it went through at perfect timing. You know, I did just get out. And how has the pandemic impacted the program this year? There have been huge disruptions this season. At the beginning of the fire season, more than half the camps were put on lockdown because of potential exposure to the virus. You know, there wasn't actually an outbreak, at least in the fire camps, but because of the exposure, the inmates were forced to quarantine for several weeks during the beginning of the fire season. Another impact was that the pandemic forced the state to depopulate its prisons because the virus was spreading so rapidly in the general population prisons. So it accelerated this this change that was already happening in the system. Many of the state's incarcerated firefighters were sent home early. 
and the governor is now moving resources away from the fire camps towards conservation crews. So it's a different set of priorities. As a result, at the end of the year, California is going to depopulate eight of its prison camps. Basically, the inmate firefighter program is contracting, which means that the state won't be able to rely on these fire crews as much, and there'll be fewer opportunities for the people who are in prison to participate in this program. Hmm. That sounds kind of like a mixed bag for folks if they like the program. Yeah, I think that, you know, you talk to people that are in the program now, you talk to people that work in the program for the corrections department and for CAL FIRE, and there really is a sense of disappointment because I think this program is really popular with people that participate in it. And the fact that there's going to be fewer opportunities, I think is just disappointing to a lot of these folks. All right. KQED science reporter Kevin Stark, thanks so much for helping us answer Brittany's question. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. Check out our show notes for more reporting on inmate firefighters. There's a bunch of great stuff out there. And a huge thanks to Brittany this week for sending us this question. I mean, you all picked this question and you can do it again. Just head over to baycurious.org to vote on what we should cover next. We've been hiking the Point Pinnell regional shoreline pretty regularly during quarantine, and there are some pretty ominous signs throughout. I was curious how this place went from a dynamite factory to a public park. How did Candlestick Point State Recreation Area get the name Candlestick? And how was the area formed and turned into the first urban state park in California? What impact has the lockdown had on local resource use? Is the Bay Area consuming more or less? Water, electricity, landfill space? How much has usage shifted from commercial to residential? Our podcast is produced by Olivia Allen Price, Rob Spate, and me, Katrina Schwartz. Bay Curious is produced at member-supported KQED in San Francisco. Thanks for listening. Hi, Bay Curious listeners. Are you ready to play May's trivia game? Every month, we read a question here at the end of our episode. You can give us your answers over at our website, kqed.org slash baycurious, or just click the link in the episode description. Out of the correct answers, we'll randomly choose one lucky winner to receive a cool prize package with Bay Curious swag and Sierra Nevada goodies. Okay, our question for the month is, the world's longest-running pillow-fighting contest was held from 1966 to 2006 in what Bay Area town? Our trivia quiz is made possible by Sierra Nevada Brewing Company. Good luck! Hey, it's Glenn Washington from Snap Judgment, and if you love what you're hearing, and I know you love what you're hearing, please consider becoming a KQED member special access to cool events, behind-the-scenes footage, and so much more. Plus, you'll sleep better at night knowing you did your part for the community you depend upon. It's in you. Please be in it. Visit donate.kqed.org slash podcasts to sign up now. That's podcast with an S. Thanks. Thanks.